Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Gator Sports Podcast, brought to you by the Gainesville Sun and Gatorsports.com. This is a USA Today Network production, and your host, Graham Hall and David Whitley. You are listening to the Gator Sports Podcast, presented by the Gainesville Sun. I'm your host, Graham Hall, joined to my left by David Whitley. Hello. It is the first week of May, which means the NFL draft has come and gone. At last. Yeah, it seems like you spend so long talking about the NFL draft, really since the season ends, and those 2% of players on each team who have draft prospects, you start talking about their lives being changed, how they could fit in on another team, and you cover pro day. It's kind of exhausting. Well, you know, the NFL... The draft, if nothing else, it signifies just how brilliant the NFL is at marketing itself. Oh, yeah. Because it, it, it never ends. You know, once, it used to be once the Super Bowl was over, things would be quiet. But they, you know, they, they create things around the calendar to always be in the news. And, like, they released their, uh, their season schedule like two months ago when it was dead. And you know, it became, that drove the news cycle for a few days. And then, and, but it, the nonstop... Uh, you know the the Mel Kuyperization of the draft is amazing. What it has come into and how it is just an industry unto itself. Yeah, I, you got to give Mel Kuyper a whole lot of credit. He said this weekend that he always assumed growing up that the draft was going to be this massive thing. He kind of didn't understand why people around him didn't get the fascination for it that he had. I mean, but from the marketing standpoint, like you said just absolutely genius because it's not just the 17 weeks of the regular season that the NFL is in the news. It's the entire year. Right. It, it never ends. And, you know, uh, like Spurrier tells a story that before he was drafted, he didn't even talk to anybody yeah. from the NFL. You know, he, it must he, have been harder. Yeah. You know, it's, he, he, he heard about it. You know, someone from San Francisco gave him a call later that day, said, hey, we dra-, and he was number three pick overall. Oh, I mean, cool. Matt, I mean, nowadays, the number three pick, I mean, he has, he has had 4,000 stories written about him, and he's been in, you know, 8 million mock drafts, and he's had everything, everything he's ever done in the last 10 years analyzed and dissected. And, I mean, we know more. I, yeah, it, there's so much, so much, it, it's, it's a lot of hot air, but, you know, it is consequential. But it, it's not as consequential and for the amount of time that it's given. I mean, yeah, I, I, you know, with an NFL network now, too. I yeah. mean, you got to think of that concept and you you look at just from the NFL standpoint, why the teams would be in favoritism of all this coverage. I mean, it has to increase your chance of landing on a prospect. There's, you know, and when you get to really delve into how someone works, their personality, where they came from, what's going to motivate them. Mm-hmm. I mean, 20 years ago, you you may draft someone that hasn't had any interviews written about them and then they show up to camp and it's well you know I really wasn't planning on doing yeah, this yeah. and I don't really work out mm-hmm. too hard and I've always just been six foot six and you know but I guess I could play for you guys I mean you, you just really 
don't have as much uncertainty. Yeah. You know, but the beauty of the draft is no matter how much you've studied a guy and figured him out and tried to nail him, it's still 50-50. Yeah. You know, as you, obviously, as you get in first round, you know, most of those guys will stick a few, but I mean, there's always the bust. I mean, you know, it's easy to, to rattle them off. Yeah. And, you know, it's, of the top 10 guys this year, you know, four or five won't, you know, they'll be in the league, but they they will be considered bust overall. But right now, who will they, who knows? But, you know, I mean, on a local standpoint, this year's draft, what didn't really have that much interest because there just went a lot of Florida Gators in it. Yeah. And certainly I think that, you know, you bring up bust before we get into those Florida Gators that were in the draft, and there weren't too many of them. We're going to recap them here in the first segment, and then the segment segment of today's episode, we're going to talk about those Gators that signed as undrafted free agents. Some of them did fairly quickly, as well as who may go in the 2023 NFL draft. Never too soon oh, no. to start looking ahead. That's going to be this week's episode of the Gator Sports Podcast. But, you know, so many athletes go in being pegged as a so-and-so type player. He's going to fit in so-and-so type scheme. He's going to work well there. For Kyir Elam, I really think that that narrative changed. The first Florida player off the board ends up going 23rd overall to the Buffalo Bills. A lot of people just thought that this was a strong corner. A guy who, yeah, he had an NFL pedigree, but maybe he was just coasting off of that. But I think that narrative got blown up over the last month. When you saw how he performed at UF's Pro Day, But then you saw all the clips coming out of him taking handwritten notes Mm -hmm. and wanting to get the playbook right away after getting drafted Mm -hmm. and being emotional and then showing the maturity even, I think, in representing himself throughout the draft process. I I was really impressed with how Kyir handled this, and I I think a lot of people were as well. And so expectations have always been high for him, and and now they're going to continue with Buffalo. It's funny because, you know, at the start of last year, you were – you were hearing his name as a first-round pick, maybe top-ten pick, you know. But, and then he had, you know, uh, I would say, by what most people, you know, a, a, a good year, not a great year, on the field. Because, you know, a lot of it was just, you know, because of the surroundings. And they wouldn't throw at him, too. Yeah. yeah. And and he was he was dinged up a bit. But then you heard, all right, well, he's dropped from, you know, first round, maybe even latest third. I never really bought that because there's just too much talent there. But you're right. He is a guy who who I think really improved his stock after the season, just at the combine, and also with just the one-on-one interviews. I, I don't know if you've seen it, but I, I just saw it today. They they released his his interview at the combine with the the Bills, and how it it was intimidating because here you have this this 21 year old kid, and he there must have been oh yeah you know you know 30 guys sitting there staring at you just staring at you and he's in the literally in the middle of this room uh, they're behind him in front of, and and he's he gets out his his duffel bag and he says here you know i i started taking like you mentioned the notes the notes of everything of of the of coverages we blew coverages i blew on everything in the game and so, and he got it out and he handed it to the gm says you want to see this you know and yep. you know that that doesn't hurt i mean and you know if even if if he was advised six months ago, or you know after the draft by someone saying, "Hey, you really gotta you know brush up on this, whether it's true or not," and if he ran back and made up all these notes or not, I don't <laughs> think he did. But it it was a great move on his part either way. And it and you know there's there's a big difference between you know I saw what he's going to be getting you know uh, uh, with a seven million dollar bonus versus second round third fourth round money. And you know I I can see why people in Buffalo would be excited about him now. Yeah, absolutely. And you know I could see why he would be excited about going to Buffalo. Oh yeah. A, a few years ago, you say, "Oh, Kyrie's going to Buffalo," and you're like, "Oh, good mm-hmm. luck." Um, but now with Josh Allen and that defense, really just kind of needing 
a cornerback, yeah. a lockdown corner, you know, yeah. with Travis Bright being yeah. so hurt. Where was he in, in the overtime? They could use him in the overtime again. <laughs> yeah, they could have. Where, where was he eight months ago? You know, he was not getting thrown at. Yeah. In yeah the only downside of going to Buffalo is if you're a kid from Florida, you know, it's it, yeah, it's yeah, gonna, but, but gonna they, be they always cold. adjust. It's not Riviera Beach. And another yeah. guy who is going to a place that a few years ago we would have said, oof, good luck heading over there to Cincinnati is Zachary Carter. Yeah, who, it is funny. Yeah, yeah, was off the board with the 95th overall pick, headed to the Cincinnati Bengals. They are getting a guy who versatility seems to be one of the huge attributes, malleability. I love that word, man. You know, b- ability to play multiple positions in various schemes. That's his strong suit. Um, I, I'm really pumped for Zach Carter because he's playing for a team that now has a young quarterback, high hopes, and uh, some former Gators as well. Yeah, and pretty pretty good defense and it is funny you know, a year ago we've been going oh my god he got sentenced yeah. to Cincinnati and now you know they are the it team in the in, you know probably in the whole NFL and you know they they I would be surprised not shy if they make the Super Bowl but just the fact that you know because it was such a shock they got there last year but still I mean they, they are now you know a, a playoff team and they will be for the next and as long as Joe Burrow's standing yeah and Jamar Chase you know I brought this point up not to rub it in Florida fans faces but you know he almost ended up a Gator as well. And then, yeah. you know, Mullen comes in and the rest is history. So certainly some familiar faces there. A young group, promising group with the Bengals. Another guy, the final Gator that was taken in the NFL draft is the most lovable of the group, in my opinion. A little bit of bias there, maybe. Damian Pierce in the fourth round, the second pick in the fourth round, pick 107, headed to the Houston Texans, who, I got to say, really deserve someone that they can get behind and fall in love with and it's just going to love the fan base too and love playing there that is Damian Pierce affable energetic genuine he he is going to compete right away yeah in right. my mind and you know people were saying time and time again how deep this draft was this weekend I think Damian Pierce kind of epitomizes that even 10 years ago I think this is a, a first round guy in a sense especially in a league right now where pass protection is so valued and at a premium. Damian excels there. He's going to be a guy who's going to be able to play all three downs for the Texans. I'm really surprised that they got such good value in the fourth round there. Yeah. Well, the running back position has just been devalued a lot in the NFL because I mean they have found and it's, you know, it's been proven you can get almost as good a production from a you know from a fourth through seventh round pick. Yeah. As a first round, and and just you're, you're better off investing that first round capital in something you know like you know a left tackle, yeah, or a defense you know a, a rush end something like that, because I mean unless there is a generational type running back, and even th- you know I mean a couple of years ago everybody was Saquon Barkley, Saquon Barkley, but you know in fact they you know now his they don't know if the Giants going to keep him because it's just so easy to to get hurt and and you know have have it over, uh, and the way as you said the the offense has evolved, but. I mean, it, it's a great pick for them. And you said, not from a football standpoint, I think he'll help. But I'll, you're right, just from a PR standpoint, because if any, if any uh, team could use a little PR help and just make them lovable and have have a, a player that the fans can get behind, you know, you couldn't have. He, if you were just going to go on likability, he he would have been the Trayvon Walker of this <laughs> yeah, draft. Exactly. I think that you know, guys who have sold themselves to fan bases have a better chance of lasting a couple years and you know maybe that's going to be what does it for Damian Pierce because in my opinion if you're a running back who makes it 
three years in the league, that's a success in my mind. I mean, some of the top running backs only have a three, four, five-year career. You see it time and time again. If you're able to find some way to stick with a team, even if it's not putting up 1,000-yard rushing seasons, you're a success. And sometimes you have to do that through blocking, appealing to the organization, doing PR for the organization. Mm -hmm. And I I think that Damian Pierce is just going to find some way. I hope that it's through his on-the-field talents because they are abundant. I hope that he finds some way to last because Houston and him, they kind of deserve each other right now. Well, you know, speaking of lasting, you know, he comes with, with low mileage, as we've all discussed exactly, exactly. On, on this. And, you know, it's funny, he'll probably get more carries next year with the Texans than he did with the Gators. I think so, yeah. Only 100 last year. The great thing about Damian is that I think it's kind of a, I don't know, it's kind of, I don't know what you'd call it, but he's proven despite having the low mileage because you know that he did it at the high school level. I mean, more than 6,000 yards in Bainbridge breaks Herschel Walker's rushing record in high school, four-year starter, and then comes to Gainesville and kind of has a chance to maybe heal up a little bit, never faces a huge injury, and now he's uh, revitalized now that he's in the NFL with low mileage, like you said. So that's huge for Damian, making it to the NFL. He was... The last Florida Gator taken off the board, though. All of three of them. Yeah, I was waiting there until Mr. Irrelevant, which ends up being Brock Purdy from Iowa State. I'm sitting there the entire time thinking, where are the rest of these Gators going to go? Where are they going to go? It would have been nice just to have, finally, a Gator as Mr. Irrelevant. Yeah. Oh, that'd be so wonderful to cover. Because, you know, I don't know if Georgia's ever had one, so that's one thing that they could hold over Georgia's (laughs) head this year, if nothing else. It makes you want to root for the Mr. Irrelevant, if you ask me. Oh, sure. And apparently, uh, Mr. Irrelevant had never thrown a pass, has never thrown a pass in the NFL, still. And now with Brock Uh Purdy being taken with the (laughs) Mr. Irrelevant pick, maybe that's going to change. I did not know that. That's good trivia. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. It it was a there were a lot of candidates uh, on the Gators squad this year for Mr. Relevant, you know, yeah. who, who who were on the bubble of maybe they get drafted in the seventh round or maybe they're free, but they all ended up being free agents. Yeah, we're gonna take this first break, and when we come back, we're gonna talk about those undrafted free agents, where they're headed to have a chance to carve out their NFL career, as well as who could be taken in the 2023 iteration of the NFL draft. We'll be right back. USA Today's Florida Sports Network covers the Sunshine State better than anyone else. We have reporters and columnists covering Florida, Florida State, and Miami, the Dolphins, Jaguars, and Bucks. Like NASCAR, we've got you covered. We also provide the most comprehensive high school coverage available, and so much more. In fact, we have 17 news sites that encompass the state. Hi, I'm Tim Walters, host of the State of Florida Sports Podcast. Each week, this podcast utilizes our Florida Sports Network of beat writers, columnists, and some special guests to bring you up to speed on the most important sports topics. From Pensacola to Jacksonville, to Palm Beach to Naples, and all points in between, we've got you covered. The State of Florida Sports Podcast can be found wherever you listen to podcasts, as well as on any of our state news sites. We are back with the Gator Sports Podcast. I am your host, Graham Hall, joined to my left by my co-host, David Whitley, recapping the NFL draft, which guys have achieved their dreams of being drafted, and which guys are going to look to start their career as undrafted free agents. And as you saw on Saturday, when that draft concluded around, what, 7 p.m.? 
it felt like it was uh, forever. Let's mm-hmm. say that. It, it was right after uh, the the couple got married. Yeah. If you recall. Uh, that was good. I hope that works out for them. Mm-hmm. Win in Vegas, right? Hopefully it lasts outside Vegas. After that marriage ceremony and the festivities on TV ended, Jeremiah Moon was one of the first undrafted free agents going to the Baltimore Ravens. A guy who, incredible length, uh, six foot six, ability to play multiple positions, uh, mismatch on the edge, just a very smart guy. Biggest knock against him is his health. Three season ending injuries in his time at Florida. Already has played six years and never really right. could capitalize yeah. on that. The Ravens are obviously are intrigued by his athletic potential, and they're going to bring him in. Yeah, I I think Moon was he the guy that his act was actually here through three presidential administrations. It's something <laughs> like it, it, it's it was an amazing stat, you know, if you count how long he is he was on campus here. But I mean, you're right. You look at him and you, and you say, man, this guy is a stud. Yeah, you know, if you know, he's one of the let's say the airport players, the guys who look good in the airport. Uh, you know, <laughs> and you go, how does that team ever lose? But you know, it, he he has just been under a dark cloud of injury since he's been here, and yeah, he. He's going to a good organization, so yeah. You know, it, I mean, uh, give him credit. You know, all we can do is just hope that all this, you know, maybe getting out of games will will, will get him out from under this this injury uh, malaise that he's been suffering. Yeah, repeated injuries also yeah. doesn't mean that someone's going to be injury prone for the rest of their career. And you know, maybe he could change that narrative. Let's call it that. But unfortunately, we did even see Moon pull up. He had a little hamstring pull yeah. when he was running the 40-yard dash at UF's Pro Day. So hopefully he can stay healthy and carve out an NFL career. Two guys that arrived in Gainesville last year as transfers are going to stay teammates. I think that's pretty interesting. Pair of defensive tackles in Tyrone Truesdell, who arrived from Auburn prior to last season, and Antonio Valentino, who arrived in Gainesville by way of Penn State. Both guys headed to the New York Giants mm-hmm. as undrafted free agents. Going to plug the interior of the defensive line for the Giants up there, as well as you know former Gator Kadarius Tony, who is as of now as still of now. with the Giants. Yeah. So now they get a pair of defensive tackles who have some Gainesville ties, even if they were a little bit brief. And two guys who I thought were pretty good last season had some unfortunate injuries. Truesdell had that that back injury that took a few months to heal. Yeah, you didn't hear much about him until late in the season. Yeah, he, he got he got hurt, man. He was he was dinged up. You're thinking, though, that based off of the four years that they put in at other places, that... Well, it NFL got them where teams, they are now. Yeah, NFL teams had seen enough to think that these are some guys with experience, they're hungry to make it here, and they're comfortable going to a new location. You never think about how a transfer could potentially aid some guy. Maybe it's going to make the undrafted free agent process a little bit easier because you're used to picking up everything again, packing up and trying to carve out a role for yourself and re, you know, mm-hmm. adjust to a new area and, and meet new teammates. Well, yeah, you're used to some change. Yeah, you're and, used to the change. And all, you know, all, all these guys, they just want a shot and that's what they have now. Yep. And Malik Davis is going to get his shot in Texas as well, just like Damian Pierce, his teammate in the backfield last year. Last year, he's headed to the Dallas Cowboys as an undrafted free agent. Another guy who was picked up incredibly early, just kind of a pro's pro, his ability to learn the playbook, cerebral player, work back from injury, as we've seen time and time again. You know, seeing a guy attack their rehab can really push the other guys in the room let's be honest and a guy who is really really good at catching out of the backfield so maybe he has a chance at, at carving mm-hmm. some role yeah, I mean, out with he's versatile Cowboys. yeah absolutely his health kind of like moon working against him i think yeah. certainly and then the last one who i also thought was going to be a late pick kind of a surprise gene delance the offensive tackle 
he was getting some buzz even in, in the sixth round. But as we mentioned, kind of a deep draft this year, according to analysts and, and teams. Gene goes to the Chicago Bears to protect a quarterback that I know that many in Gainesville had hoped initially wound up here rather than in Georgia. That's Justin Fields. Uh, uh, he's yeah. going to go down and play right tackle with the Chicago Bears. So very interesting to see what he can do for that team and with mm-hmm. his NFL chance. Yeah, you know, when I see these guys as free agent now, I think, well, hopefully they will make it. But you know, if, if not, I think, well, hey, I, I've been... I haven't been watching the USFL on Saturdays and Sundays, <laughs> <laughs> much of it anyway. I mean, uh, and, and I think I speak for most Americans when I say I haven't been watching. But, you know, th- there are opportunities for these guys Certainly. if they want to stay in it. Certainly. And, and you know, wh- why not? At this point, they, they have dedicated their, you know, much of their lives to this craft right now. Yeah. And you're not just going to walk away. Go give it a shot. And, and you know, th- they're not all going to make it, but they will. You'll see where they get cut and they'll try somewhere else and catch on. So, you know, and so, you know, more power to them. Yeah. And, and I mean, you look right now, the number one pick in the draft, Baker Mayfield, surrounded by trade rumors. You have to look at all the guys around you and think that, hey, you have to value your time in the league because it could be over before you know it. I mean, Johnny Manziel is playing 7v7 right now. So certainly I think that just to even have an NFL opportunity to make a camp, go collect a check, to work through training camp, find out how you need to improve, and most importantly, continue the dream, man. I think that that is what is just awesome to see about yeah, it. It's well, not going to be over for a lot yeah, of Yeah, you never want to you know, go away thinking, I didn't give it all I had, and exactly. I, sh- I should have tried it. And, you know, why not? You know, and I, you know, I feel bad for that. I mean, I can't think of I'm sure there's a couple of guys who, you know, would still like to just be in that position to be a free agent Definitely. at this point. And, you know, those are the guys who will have to earn it through through going to the USFL and that yeah. kind of thing and just, just grinding out. And, you know, it, it's a one in a million shot. Because, you know, Kurt Warner would be, be the ultimate. You know, he was, he was you know, stacking groceries in Iowa. Yeah. And he's playing arena ball. And then, yeah. you know, St. Louis so eventually he becomes, you know, NFL MVP and they made a movie about him. Yeah. You know, and that's the dream for a lot of guys and not everyone's going to reach it. But just to even have a chance is, I think, that something you should be proud of no matter who you are even if you don't get drafted and I think that everyone has sky high expectations when they go to a place like Florida but just to even have that opportunity it's something that so many people don't get and before we take this last break real quick here when we come back at the end we're gonna talk some baseball some softball and next week's episode briefly we got to talk about some Gators that are returning to the team for the 2022 season who may hear their name called for the 2023 NFL draft. And I know it's like what, 350 days away. Uh, that's that's just tomorrow. Yeah. In Mel Kuyper years. Blink and you miss it right now. So, you have to start your scouting right now. And let's start with the one that I think everyone expects to blossom or hopes, let's call it that in Gainesville. Hopes to blossom into a first round NFL draft pick. That's Anthony Richardson. You know, you mentioned Kyer Elam being on some mock drafts at this point last year. You know who else was on some? Emory Jones. Yeah. He was pegged right. as a first-round pick right. in some mock drafts. He, he so, was even on, you know, in, the, in the Heisman talk. As, yeah, you know, you know it, what do these mean right now? Nothing. Please don't clip this and show it to old takes exposed or anything like mm-hmm. that if these guys don't get drafted because so much can change. And these are projections. These are mocks for a reason. These are not set in stone by any means necessary. But certainly Florida fans after what they saw from Anthony Richardson last year the word potential how he may blossom in Napier's offense you think that maybe it's a possibility that this guy who has the Cam Newton type body 
ends up becoming a first round pick, even though we just covered a draft where a quarterback didn't go until yeah. what the third round. Yeah, but you know it's funny. Next year, it, it's already pretty much a given that two of the top three picks will be QBs. That's going to be C.J. Stroud from Ohio State and uh, Bryce Young from Alabama with uh, Will Anderson from Alabama. And it's just a question of who will be one, two, or three. <laughs> and uh, in watching the draft this year, they said, you know, they mentioned the next year's strong draft. And I, I saw Kuyper come out. Yeah, you got Stroud, you got Bryce. And then, you know, you got the kid Richardson from Florida. I mean, you know, it, that was in his first sentence. Yeah. So everybody knows about Anthony Richardson and the potential he has and how he, he, he checks every proverbial physical box you could possibly want. It's just a question of will he develop the rest of round of his game enough to get up into that top 10 next year. And I saw one you know, early mock draft, had him going number six to Philadelphia. Yeah. And then <laughs> I saw another one where the number six pick was of all, Will Levin, the QB from Kentucky. Yeah, you know? the banana and guy. Richardson, Levis yeah, or whatever. Banana, yeah. yeah, the guy who eats mayonnaise. <laughs> and, and, and Richardson wasn't even in, in, the, in, in like the, the first four rounds. So it, at this point, it, you know, it is just total throw spaghetti against the wall. And it also isn't an indictment necessarily of the players. You know, I joked that no quarterback was taken until the third round, but, you know, Kenny Pickett is the only quarterback goes in the first round. What a great story, though, to, you know, the Pittsburgh to yeah. Steelers connection right there, sharing a building. But so much of it can be based outside of a quarterback's play. It doesn't matter if you're the top quarterback or the top five quarterbacks in the draft. The year may determine that you're not going to go until the fourth, fifth round. And that doesn't mean that you did anything wrong, but the needs, I mean, there's only so many picks. Each team's needs just didn't call for a quarterback being taken that high. And it doesn't mean that you're not going to be a great prospect. And that's true for positions outside of quarterback. But to be talking about a 19-year-old being a potential first-round pick, receiving $20 million mm-hmm. in less than a year from now. I, I mean, I kind of want to be like one of those guys who's like pumped the brakes, but Anthony Richardson has talked about the expectations. He's talked about how he's a fan of them. He's talked about why he thinks it's going to push him to be there. Maybe this talk is is what Florida wants. They want it oh, you know, it to be preparing as it if he's going to be a first-round yeah, I mean, pick. It won't add year. any pressure to him because, I mean, I it, hope it, not. it's already there. Yeah, it's not know? really he, also quantifiable. Yeah, you know? I mean, he, he knows what next year holds and, and what depends on it. And, it, you know, he also knows that if, it, if it's not all that, you know, he can come back. Yeah, exactly. And keep developing. Yeah, he's got several more years. It's you know, it's not like Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's not it's not like he's 24 or 25 like some, some of these yeah. QBs seem to be when they go out. But now he he's got you know, the time is on his side. Certainly. And all that. Uh, you know, but uh, other guys, you know, next year they they when you look at that roster, you know, you know Georgia had such a great uh, draft this past year and I was thinking, you know, uh, they had another guy who transferred who was number one pick you know, in the first round, and that was the guy that FSU, Jermaine Johnson. And then F- Florida got an ex-Georgia guy who who might be the first Gator pick next year in Brenton Cox. Yeah, Brenton Cox. I'm glad you brought him up. That's number two, I think. It's got to be on everyone's list of guys who could go next year. Certainly could have had a shot to come back. We talked about how we thought he didn't go all out last year yeah. due to the Jones fracture as well. But, I mean, think of the scheme that he was playing in. You had to think that... The ceiling was only so high based on what his effort could be. Now, a lot more motivation for Brenton Cox. Not just the draft, a scheme that should be more favorable for him. He's fully healthy. I think that this is a guy who gets close to double-digit sacks, barring an injury, yeah. and is talked about as one of these guys that's going to be taken day one. Yeah, well, I mean, the talent is, he has first-round talent. Yeah. That's what it amounts to. It's just, will will he, A, stay healthy, and also convince the scouts that you know his, his motor is what they want it to be. Yeah, I, another guy who certainly I think has something to prove this season, not just with motor, but staying healthy, 
is Ventrell Miller, a guy who maybe could have not come back to Florida last year, gone in the draft and been a third, fourth round pick possibly. He chooses to come back and then tears his biceps in the second game of the season, misses the rest of the year. Same thing for him, a scheme that should be more favorable for him as long as the interior, the defensive line has improved over the next four months, whether that's the transfer portal. Hence the big if. Yeah, the big if. Otherwise, you know, Ventrell should eat again from a tackle standpoint. He, He probably will lead the team in tackles once again if the interior of the defensive line is a weakness for Florida. And that should amount to him having a high stock heading into next year. You just saw his former teammate, James Houston, who transferred from Florida, went to Jackson State. He got drafted this past weekend. Now you'd think that Ventrell Miller's turn is next year. Yeah, and it's funny, you know, his his uh, his stock may depend on how how well another guy who might go out, Jervon Dexter. Yeah, Jervon Dexter, you know, a guy who in his now third season at Florida, I think a lot of people are expecting him to make the leap. You know, I mentioned defensive tackle. That's a guy I think is going to show how quick he actually is this year. Not so much a big body on the interior, but same thing with Zach Carter. I think you're going to see his versatility this year even I think you could see him play a little on the edge this season in this defense he is a guy who has embraced the off the field aspects the preparation the film room that was something he had to work on when he got to Florida and you've really seen him put it all together if he puts it all together on the field this season I, I'm thinking he's going to go in the draft as well next year yeah he should um, and you know he he is a you know you said his third year but he you know he played when he got on campus, you know, this isn't a guy who, who's been redshirting and all that. Thing. So, right. so he's still r- relatively young. And yeah, he, he will be ready to go. If he has the kind of year he's capable of, he will be drafted next year. You know, he won't be around. He's not a four-year player. So, you know, best possible scenario, with sort of best possible and worst possible scenario, they'll have great years. And, and those are all potential first to second round picks, you know, which, which shows, you know, it, it would, they're not, they're not the recruits from, uh, from Billy Napier, but it would be part of the, the hopefully the right trajectory that this program is on that Gator fans are hoping at this point. Absolutely. If you have a guy who continues his progression, doesn't make a step back amid a coaching change, weight room change, all that type stuff, it's a positive sign, not just for the guy, but for the development path that someone was able to come in here and really not just pick things up where they left off, but improve on it and have guys maximize their capabilities. I know that one player... The last one we'll talk to before we take this last break, Justin Shorter, a guy who certainly is looking to capitalize on his five-star designation, went to Penn State like Valentino, transfers to Florida, now has the chance to be the number one receiver in this offense with a quarterback in Anthony Richardson who can get him the deep ball. And he has to improve his ability to be a vertical presence. Mm -hmm. He has to improve his hands. His route running ability has come a long, long way. How he works is going to get him to the NFL, in my mind, early to practice, stays late, works with his mom in, mm-hmm. in his spare time. I mean, his story is fantastic. Some team, whether it's late in the draft, whether it's early, I don't know, whether he's undrafted, some team is going to look at Justin Shorter and say, this guy is going to help my organization, and we got to have him in this room. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, size-wise, you know, he, exactly. he, he's, Six, five. He's, very, he's an impressive athlete. A lot will come down to, you know, regardless of what he does on the field, is, is next year at the Combine or here at Pro Day, that 40-yard dash. You know, um, if he, 
if he runs a respectable one, because that that's a not you know, and 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 they have to show you know the the breakaway, if not breakaway speed, at, at least you know decent speed, because he's got you know he said his hands could be, but but you know just physicality and stuff like that and attitude, he's got it. Yeah, I think they can, he can definitely show that he has the complete package. We're gonna talk. A little bit baseball and softball in this final break. A lot of football talk throughout the first half of this podcast. We'll be right back after this break. I'm Blake Topmeyer, and this is SEC Football Unfiltered, a new podcast from the USA Today Network. Each week, we'll discuss the hottest topics that matter to the passionate fan bases of the SEC. I've covered the SEC for eight years. As for my co-host, longtime sports columnist John Adams, let's just say he's got a few decades on me. Not as many decades as some people think. Contrary to popular opinion, I did not cover General Neyland, but I did interview Bear Bryant, and I interviewed Nick Saban, and I covered Archie Manning and Peyton Manning. More insightful interview, John. Bear Bryant, Archie Manning, Steve Spurrier, or Johnny Majors? Gotta go with Steve Spurrier there. He's the great quipster. SEC Football Unfiltered debuts this summer. Let John and I be your tour guides from the season opener through the national championship. Subscribe and listen wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back with the final segment of this episode of the Gator Sports Podcast. I am your host, Graham Hall, joined to my left by my co-host, David Whitley. And now we're going to transition away from football and talk about the spring sports that are going on right now at Florida. And namely, we are talking baseball and softball. Softball this weekend went to LSU, won the first two games of the series, then lost the final one. But they're now gearing up for SEC Tournament, which is next week here in Gainesville. Mm -hmm. First time since 2005 the University of Florida has hosted the softball tournament. So it's going to be very exciting over the next week in Gainesville. And if you've been following softball, you've seen how deep the SEC is. I mean, 500 in conference play is kind of good enough, I think, for top 10 in the entire division one right now and florida's sitting here at 13 and 10 yeah. and they're ninth and overall lsu's 19th and they're 11 and 10 in conference so certainly you could see you could see a lot of people beating up on each other this week yeah and it the, the parody you know makes this sec turn, tournament interesting because you know you wouldn't be surprised if, you know frankly if if you know the gators were out early or if they won the thing yeah you know, it, it's just that unpredictable of a year with them yeah, and you can also sit there, and I think if he, you're a fan, maybe if you're a diehard, this is going to be tough for you, but even if you're just a casual fan, you can watch the tournament and just appreciate the high level of play that's going to be on display, from pitching to just the rivalries that we're going to see this week. It's going to be one of the best showcases outside of the Women's College World Series, and to have it right here in your backyard uh, a special time. If you're a softball fan, you're not going to want to miss it. You're going to want to get out to Kansas yeah. Seashore Preston Stadium. It, it is you know, the one thing that you can drive to campus there and actually see good pitching. Because <laughs> yeah. it's, 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 you know, obviously it's, it, this year has been a roll of the dice across the street. Yeah, you know, Florida yeah. baseball, it's a good transition. They had a successful weekend this yeah. past weekend. They did down Kentucky pretty handily on Friday. Saturday, the rain had other intentions. Three hour plus rain delay. Actually, it was actually two rain delays right. there that made the game six start, and a half hours. It started in April and ended in May. That's I like right. that. That's yes. such a, you know, I would have had to get that in my lead right away if I was there and groggy from that game. Mm-hmm. Florida did manage to win that game on Saturday, nine to two. 
So they secured the series there against Kentucky. But like I said, that game finished after midnight. Like you said, it finished in May, David. And Florida and Kentucky had to return to the ballpark by noon the next day. Probably a little bit groggy as well. Not well rested. But the Wildcats jumped all over the Gators on Sunday. It was not a good start for Ryan Slater. He gave up four runs in as many innings. The bright spot for Florida was Fisher Jameson. Great name. Mm. Gotta say it. Great name. And in his second outing as a freshman, he was absolutely dominant once again in four innings. Really kept Florida in it despite giving up those early runs. Florida couldn't get the sweep, but I think that they have maybe found a guy that they're going to have to use the rest of the season in Fisher Jameson. Yeah, well, that's what you know. Sully was saying is all along. You know, we've got a lot of young arms and a lot of young talent, but you know, they just haven't put it together and figured it out. Yeah, and you know, frankly, at this point, they're just sort of hoping to catch that you know lightning in a bottle. With a guy like that, because uh, it 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 is just you never know what you're going to get when you get a guy out there. You wouldn't be surprised, you know, if if he he, he throws four good innings or four you know or two terrible innings. You, you just never know with these guys. You know, I think that, and this is kind of uh, an aside in a sense, but this is kind of the frustration for Kevin O'Sullivan and sometimes the media because. When we wrote our preview of the season and when Kevin O'Sullivan talked to us at the beginning of the season, he said exactly that. This is a young team. We have no seniors. We are going to take our lumps early. It's not going to be dominant. We're hoping to get some guys back in March in Nesbitt and Pogue. And if we can figure things out throughout SEC play, maybe we have a chance to make a run. I mean, that was his message from the beginning. And to see that kind of come out prophetic in a sense, but very wise to come out there and say that. I kind of compare it to how Billy Napier came out for his introductory press conference and said, we're going to be patient. We're not going to sign a bunch of five stars. Let's pump the brakes. We're going to take our time and then things are going to be okay in a few months. That's kind of what O'Sullivan said. And if, you know, if that comes to life here, I think that he may have a chance to come out and gloat and say, listen, I've been doing this for 15 years. You kind of had to trust me. The next month of the season is going to be very interesting because you look at where they have to go. Mississippi State this this next weekend, then Missouri, then South Carolina. They play USF tonight, Bethune-Cookman, and Florida State. That's the final 12 games. If the Gators can win nine of those games, they're going to be sitting here at 34-21. and 21. And i got to tell you, folks, that's probably good enough to make the postseason. Mm-hmm. Same thing about softball. They've been beating up on each other in the SEC, and if Florida can win out here and win those remaining series, they're going to make the tournament. Yeah, and there's then there'll be, you know, they'll have the, the puncher's chance if they go to... It, to the uh, parity uh, argument, yeah, right? Yeah, and yeah, it when you see the SEC, you know, and, and just the quality there that they have, you think, man, there's, there's no way. But, you know, you get in it, and it, it'll at least, you know... Give give people give fans chance to say, all right, you know, maybe we can pull it out. This will be a Cinderella type thing. Yeah, but you know, right now, you know, if if they finish with thirty four win, you know, that's about what they are thirty four win team. Exactly. And last year's team was what thirty eight after the super regional. So I, I know that there's high expectations here, and we are a little bit harsh on the team as well. But it's not over yet. This isn't like football where you lose a few games in a row in the middle of the season and you can just look they won't forward make to the playoffs. Yeah, no. you can look forward to the Capital One Bowl or something like that. Florida has a chance of still hosting a regional 
if they win out. I think it's a really real possibility. It's very realistic. And maybe in a month, we're sitting here being like, huh, panic was surely fun, right? I mean, we were all freaking out for no reason. Or we could sit here and say, well, we knew in late April that they were dead in the water. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll know more next week, although I won't be here next week. Yeah, next week we are going to have Ainsley Lee joining us on the podcast. She's going to talk some high school spring practice in the area. You know, we cover all these teams between Alachua County, Marion County, all up and down. It's more than 50, and Ainsley's been out there getting some information as we get to the buildup of all these spring games that are going to happen in the middle of May. And then she's also going to talk with me about softball because Ainsley's been covering most of the season for us at the Gainesville Sun, has been doing a tremendous job. So we got to get her on next week to have her share her insights and, and get David to have a little That's right. chance to get out. and. So listen, you'll get much more wisdom from this chair next no, week. No, I, I wouldn't say all that. It'll be a different kind of wisdom. But David will be back very soon, as will I. Thanks for listening to the Gator Sports Podcast. We'll be back next week. <laughs>